Shut up and sit down. Someone in the chat, Margaret Cuffles in the chat room, um, translating the music from my show into into words. I sort of letters. <laughs> it was very cute. Um, tonight we're going to talk about dialogue um, in fiction, and um, and it, it's actually one of the more difficult skills for people to master. It's the it's, it's one of the things I think that is for a lot of writers, it's the last thing to click. So either it's a natural thing or it's something you have to work on for a long time. So we're going to talk about it. Um, we're going to start off talking about Rough Trade, though, because Rough Trade posting closed on the 5th. So congratulations to everybody who participated, and congratulations especially to everybody who finished. Awesome. Congratulations. I'm so pleased and happy for you guys. Um, it will be up on the site all the things that's currently on the site will be up through yeah, I don't know why I spazzed on that because it's like it happens every year okay I'll be cleaning off the site on June 1 to get ready for our next challenge so get all your reading in and you've got a lot to read I don't remember what our word count was but I can check. I thought I could check. Oh. Hold on. I shall tell you. Okay, so... Is that accurate? Seriously. Uh, hold on. <laughs> I I clicked on the screen and it kinda um it freaked me out a little bit, so let me um Yeah, holy shit. Um our um our uh word count for the month of April for the challenge itself was eight hundred and twenty thousand words. So y'all, we came close to a million words in April. How you like that? How's that? I don't even draw you guys. That's just posts. That's not our page content. That's just posts. Um, I had to check it. I was like, really? <laughs> that is 
fantastic, you guys. It's awesome. We rock. We rock the shit out of that. Um, it's going to be, that's awesome. That is just stunning. And April is a short challenge. Um, so, yeah, just that's congratulations, you guys. That That's just freaking crazy. <clears throat> It did feel really like a really kind of laid back, quiet month, and it wasn't very stressful. And I actually blame or give credit to the sprints for that. I think the riding sprints um, were just really it was it was a game changer for, for um, April. It was just a huge game changer. So I'm I'm really um, pleased that that that's part of our process now that we have that going on for everybody. And if you're not doing it. You totally should be. You should totally join the Dress Right server on Discord and um, join us in our writing sprints if you're a writer. Um, I think we're using them for editing and um, <laughs> the occasional household chore list <laughs> and art projects just, you know, to help manage their time and manage, you know, to get their work breaks in and everything. But, yeah, it's just it's been a great thing, and the sprints have really been helpful. But I can – that is a – stunning amount of work you guys um that's about half the content i have on my site my personal site so congratulations that's just fucking great fantastic um i think we did our first sprints in january julie would have the date let me get her on the air february when did we start sprints february 16th so it has wow, that's just been not very long at all. It's also very good for research sprints, you're right, Dark, because it um it doesn't let you go off the deep end. Yeah, we've had people doing art in them, like they'll do art for twenty minutes. And for me it also helps visually because I'm not sitting there focused on my screen for hours and hours at a time. Um, no, not January, February. Um, it was the day after Evil Author Day. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, it's just been that was a. I was really surprised by that number. I, I didn't. I thought we were around five hundred thousand for the month. So, um, and I hadn't been paying attention to it. But uh, those of you who are super curious, we had okay. So. All the project files were posted in March. Our March total was 2,231 words. Um, for April, our total was 786,205 words. And then in May, we had, we had some people finishing up who had those five days of posting, and there were five posted in total, and there were 18,734 words for um, those last five days. So... That's crazy cakes, you guys. Yeah, it's it's been it's been, I've edited. Um, it's hard to say in word count because I I I track my editing sprints and pages, um, and I've edited in the last you know well since we started doing sprints and I've been using sprints for editing, close to a thousand pages. Wow. Shit, girl. With a with a with about three hundred words, the average number of words per page is between two hundred and fifty and three hundred. 
So that's between, you know, 250,000, well, no, it has to be more than that. It has to be more than that. Because one thing I edited alone was 125,000 words. Yeah, because you edited mine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is, I, edited... I got my art today. Oh, yesterday. I, I got my art for Quantum Bang. It, and it is actually lovely. twice as hard now, not to talk about it, as it was before I got my art. Now, so I'm complaining because I got fantastic art. It's really awesome. It's beautiful. Um, but now it's even harder because I want to show it off. <laughs> Although... Do you want to tell them what we decided? Did we decide something? There was a rough discussion and a poll taken without my participation, and many other participants in the challenge preferred that I go first or that someone <laughs> did go first. So I will be opening the quantum bang instead of closing the quantum bang. So... But I just wanted to go last to give everybody else room, you know? I mean, it, well, it, it, I ask, it's not arrogant to say that I have over 15,000 members to my website who are active members. They're not bots. So um, I just wanted to give people some room. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, the thing is, well, for starters, you know why I had it. I was like, you know, this could be yeah. good to go first for reasons we can't discuss. But um, I talked to... A couple. I asked just I did an informal straw man, right? I asked people. I said, if you were like doing posting and you had a choice of um, of posting before someone very popular who has a big readership or posting after somebody who has a big readership, which would you prefer? And every one of them said they'd prefer to go after because they said that it specifically one person who was able to articulate why said that if like especially like if they were like the day before that they would feel like their story would be forgotten immediately so oh. okay um, I guess and maybe maybe not everybody would feel that way this is not meant to actually it was an informal straw man i asked a few people only how do you what uh, you know i'm not gonna i'm not gonna call you out i'm gonna keep your answers to myself but i'm curious which way you would swing on this would you rather post you know, behind somebody really popular? Would you rather post in front of somebody that you know is really popular? And um, they all said after. So uh, mostly we're going to be doing a randomized thing. I'm going to take the stories and I'm going to throw the author names in a, in a hat and we're going to mix them up. Not literally. I'm not interested in hats or paper. Uh, but you know, there's, there's, a random, <laughs> there's a randomizer out there. Um, well, you know, I, you know, I, there's some people on both sides. There's some people on both sides. Well, but in the unicorn relay is a little bit different in the sense that 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 order is, is more fixed by she's going last because she's riding the last leg. Um, Can I tell you why I picked that? I'll tell you guys why I picked that. I like to be in charge. I like to be in control. I like to make decisions. And when I saw what you guys were doing, and Julie asked me if I wanted to play, I was, uh, I was thinking to myself, well, do I get to decide? Can I be the decider? <laughs> <laughs> so 
I be the decider? <laughs> can, I, can I write the last? Can I write the anchor? And she was like, yes. So I was like, okay. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I, you want to write the, do you want, we'll bookend this, you know? And the thing is, people are going to have different different vibes, different feelings about it, right? But here's the thing, folks. We were going to bookend it no matter what. Right? I was going to go first yes. and Kira was going to go last. And now we're reversing that. So, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah, for the quantum thing. Yeah, we were going to bookend that too. So, But we're definitely bookending yeah. the, the feeding. We're bookending the relay. Um, um, yeah. Um, <laughs> but but at least the thing I is, admit my issue. That's that's like half the battle, right? Yeah. But the thing is, I I we were that's what we were gonna do, and and then I had a there was a there was a reason why I thought maybe Kira should go first, and then I thought, well, are people would how would people feel about this? Did they care if they post before or after her? Um, because actually, somebody the reason why it occurred to me to even ask is because somebody commented to me once. That like Kira and I don't sneak up on our posts, but it's weird that sometimes we will post within like an hour of each other. Um, sometimes we're not on the same day at all, but sometimes we'll, we're posting on the same day. It's not uncommon for us to post very close at the same time. It's because both of us are vampires; we don't sleep much. Um, but the the uh, somebody had just commented like. I Kara had posted. I posted. We posted like two minutes apart. It was completely unplanned, and they apparently hit post like within seconds of me. It was like Kara than me than them. And I got a text, and they went, "Holy crap! The last thing I want to do is post right after you guys." And that kind of just like rattled around in the back of my head as I was talking about posting. And so I asked a couple people, "Would you rather post before or after?" And the consensus was, "Can I pick neither?" <laughs> but all of them in that particular in that particular context that they'd rather post after. Um, so anyway, but we were always planning to bookend the challenge. It was going to be, um, you know, I was going to go first. Kira was going to go last. Um, but because reasons, we're going to we're, we're probably going to reverse it, and Kira's going to kick us off, and I'll wrap it up. Um, which you will be the what? reverse order of what we did. We're doing for the I'm unicorn gonna, relay, which is I started it. Kira's going to end it. What's I'm that? Gonna say something. I wrote an MCU fic. <laughs> yes, she I did. fixed the MCU. I fixed the MCU, Fix- and that oh, she fog. I couldn't help myself. And that's it, though. I took all my. I did. I knew. Well, once I knew it wasn't gonna last. That's and I was like, <laughs> you know, we need some healing. I told her, I said, we need some healing. I think you need to post as soon as humanly possible. <laughs> that is not a tease. I am going to fucking deliver on June 1. Y'all are going to need a cigarette. Smoke it if you got them. <laughs> she does. She totally delivers on the fixing everything, you know, by some measure of everything. We're getting the end game. We're going to do the end game rant on Friday. We have issues.
Yeah. But yes, I, I, but no title, no pairing. You have to wait. But I had to get something out of my mouth. <laughs> Um, I, I don't better. know why the quantum quantum bang site is popping an error right now. It, I was on there right before the podcast, so it could be that GoDaddy is down. Let me look and see if any if Mike's site my site would be on you the same update. server as. Update, of course um, not. No. Okay. <laughs> why would I? Why would I? Why would I do that to myself? Well, Rough Trade's working. Yeah, my site's working too. So it's not GoDaddy. But I'll investigate it. Um, but, yeah, we do have a couple people who have some. Your posting date, um, you don't have to be available for your posting date. So this is not a scheduling thing. Everybody's posts are due on the same day, which is May 28th. Okay? So sometimes in challenges, the people who get the last posting date or whatever, they have extra time to keep tweaking their story and stuff. And we just wanted to not – and there's been, I've seen some bitching about that. Um, some people fight for the first dates, people fight for the later dates, but whatever. I didn't want to deal with that. So every story should do on the same day. Everybody will post to the site on the same day, and we will approve the post to go live in their posting order. Now, we do have at least one person who has a constraint about they, – because they wrote two stories that are related, and they have to go in order. So other than that constraint, we're there's no – It'll just be kind of a random thing, except that one person, we're going to make sure that their stories are not, A, on top of each other, and B, that they're not posted, you know, sequel first, because that would be weird. Very weird. Oh, who is that? Oh, okay. I, I don't. I, I'm not in that vein, so I didn't get it. It's a It's a lovely picture. Who did that? Someone posted a picture in the um, chat room for those of you who are on the um, um, podcast. Oh, yeah, that is pretty. very lovely. Cuddling, lovely couch cuddling. We'll call that couch cuddling. I usually put couch cuddling in all my stories. There's a couch cuddling in one of my SGA stories that came out of nowhere. I was like, how'd this happen? <laughs> that isn't something I normally do. And it? there it is. <laughs> okay, so that's all. Did we Did we sort out everything about Rough Trade for next year? Or are you done with rough trade um, announcements for now? No, I'm not. But we did. Uh, uh, we have. Thanks to Sadria. Is that how you say your name? That's how I say your name in my head. So I hope that's how you say it. Um, that's how I say it. Okay. Um, so at least we're together, even if we're wrong. <laughs> it's terrible to be by yourself and wrong at the same time. Okay, so next year we're doing Year of the Sentinel for Sentinel for um, Rough Trade, um, and we're going to do an established relationship in April, title currently unknown, 
We're going to do bonding sticks in July, and we're going to call that the Bonds Challenge, V-O-D-N-S. Um, and we're going to do um, in November, Sidra suggested that we do a trope um, puppy pile kind of thing. Um, well, we can't use a puppy pile because it's trademarked and uh, rough trades and nonprofits. So I try not to avoid that kind of thing. So we, so we can't use the title. But we are going to use the trope layering. And what that means is you're going to take the Sentinel and Guide and lay something else on top of it, like uh, Rule 63, Vampire, Werewolf, BDSM, Magic, Historical, Fixed It, Feature Fic, Male Preg, Time Travel, whatever the hell you would like. You can have two to three tropes that you add on top of the Sentinel Guide. Um, the role AU will be kind of fun. You know, you can do Sentinel Kings. That'd be interesting. Um, triads. And we're, and we're talking cellmates. We're talking like mag, big, big tropes, right? Not like big like tropes. little tropes, like Tony Lee's NCIS, which actually is a big trope in that fandom, but it's not a big generic trope because you know, it's one dude. So in one and fandom, you can do two to three tropes on top of the Sentinel guide. And so we're calling that one layers. So we have bonds, we have layers, and then we have nothing for a name on um, April. I don't want to call it relationships because, well, actually, I don't have a reason why I can't call it relationships. Huh. <laughs> I didn't want to call it mate because I wanted to leave room for people who did not want to write um, a sexual bond, who wanted to do a platonic bond. Um, so April is an established relationship. That just means an established signal guide relationship. They don't have to be partners. Um, it could be something like afterwards. Pairs. Pairs is interesting. I like pairs. Yeah, dark thanks. Um, I wanted to go with the the matching words, pairs, bonds, and layers. I, I like that. Pairs, bonds, and layers. Yes. Thank you very much, Dark. I appreciate that. Dark Savannah, that was awesome. <clears throat> so, yeah, that's for April. We're going to do um, The Year of the Sentinel, as in the TV show. Not the actual, you know, the Sentinel guy thing, but The Year of the Sentinel. That's 2020. So, y'all be getting your Sentinel thinking cap on for next year. I've got my thinking, if you are, you thinking cap on all the time. <laughs> I've watched Terminator three times trying to prep myself, trying to find my perfect spot to change it. I am running a um, malware scan on Quantum Bank. We did get um, it, it got some malware snuck on with um, uh, what's it called? With a, with a plug-in update recently and uh, it Worked caught it. it right away. But um, the fact that the site just went down briefly for no apparent reason, um, I'm going to run another malware scan. Is it back up? Yeah, it's up. It could have been a GoDaddy glitch. That, that happens sometimes, especially during prime time hours. There'll be a little glitch, but they they usually go pretty quickly. I'm really GoDaddy is really awesome when it comes to customer service and um, very very little downtime. 
very little downtime. I mean, so, you know, and when you do have downtime, it's, they, they have a reason. They tell you. It's not a mystery. <laughs> yeah. Like, what's that called when my site was down? And he was like, yeah, um, that's our bad. We're working on it. We were trying to migrate some servers, and it didn't go well. <laughs> I'm like, well, thank you for your honesty. How long is it not going to go well? He said, hold about another hour. <laughs> Appreciate you. But really, I was I was really grateful because he got, actually gave me a reason. And I understand human error. It happens. So I really appreciate them as a whole as a company. I've been their customer since, in one form or another, since the early 2000s. I used to run a SIM site. So. Did you? So your addiction started yeah. way back when. Yeah. Yeah. I had the first Sims game, and then I had all the expansion packs, and then I skipped Sims 2, then I got Sims 3, and then I moved, and, and now I'm in Sims 4. My patriarch of my legacy, I'm, I'm doing the legacy challenge because I couldn't actually do the 100 baby challenge because I started it, but my major, but my, she fell in love with her first baby daddy. It got really sad when everybody tried to make her flirt with somebody else. So I just let her move the baby daddy in. I'm like, okay, fine, fine. I won't do the challenge. And so I think it's a legacy challenge, which you have to do 10 generations of the same family um, and build this, you know, estate on this big lot and, you know, have your family grow and change and, you know, like a dynasty challenge. Um, but my patriarch just became an elder, so he's going to die soon. And I'm really sad. <laughs> And I thought, oh, my God, I'm going to go through this nine times. <laughs> Uh-oh. That's a little I wrote bit his backstory and everything. That's a really unfortunate side effect of that challenge. Sad. It's really There's sad. A, now, a lot it, of times it, it, I, turn, I turn aging off because I don't need reality interfering with my games. But I have to leave aging on. It's sad. Uh, yeah, it, it, there's unfortunate consequences, but it's just like it's like life in that regard, right? The unfortunate consequences, like the coming back from the alien abduction, pregnant, um, unfortunate, cause, unexpected consequences of allowing mpreg and alien abductions in the same universe. You know, yeah. <laughs> Who knew that's the way that would go? Except, of course, it's exactly the way that would go. Um, Except, even in the original Sims game, if your if your Sim got. Um, abducted he could or could not come back with the baby so even when they didn't allow you to do a, a, a male pregnancy without a mod without a game mod um your your the alien could still come back pregnant with an alien baby i mean yeah wow that was an wow. outlaw okay but at least now you can choose to have your male sim either be able to get pregnant or make other people pregnant and it's the same thing with your female sims they can either get pregnant or be an impregnator <laughs> so yeah oh yeah holy crap i think i may have just gotten like you know a utility boner um so I just saw this announcement from Grammarly that they're adding a consistency check into the premium for premium users. What? Yeah. So like, Ooh. if you 
like if you are using periods for your acronyms, like USA with periods, and then you, you have some things without periods, it's going to flag that you're inconsistent. That's lovely. <laughs> and I just, <laughs> you guys, you don't know how happy that makes me. <laughs> That's really nice. Well, no, it's not an ABO because um, there are no heats or anything, but um, they do allow for um, a lot of, you know, gender choices and um, sexuality options, and it's really cool. The only thing they don't that I think is really hard to do without a mod would be a triad relationship. So that's one thing that I would ask for in a Sims, in, a, in an, an official Is it, you know, what would they call it? <laughs> the Utah expansion pack. <laughs> <laughs> That's ugly. I'm sorry. Not really. <laughs> yes, alternatively, a trans man can become pregnant in The Sims. That you can have a trans character who presents male, but what's in their pants is their business and they can or can you not get pregnant. It's totally up to you. I don't think ABO erases trans people at all. I think ABO is, and for those of you who don't know what ABO is in the podcast, that's alpha beta omega. Um, I think that trope is, uh, Well, MPREG existed long before ABO came along, so I don't... And I don't think male uh, preg um, erases trans people either. But the ABO trope can get ugly. Well, its foundation was ugly, so yeah. yeah there are people but, who have written it, enlightened it up, and made it something, you know, better. But, I mean, it was designed to be... a. a, a a trope that because it had nothing to do really with anything related to honestly to gender. It was about depriving somebody of their of consent. I mean that was baked into the trope in my opinion was the consent issue. It's so like it a, felt like it's kind of like a pawn far thing. I think I think it probably deep down got it root. I'm um, got it through some pawn far. Yeah, um, I mean, the first which is basically that was, one was, person goes um, insane with a sexual heat that can only be met by a vigorous fucking, and right. they are so instantly comp- comp- compromised that they don't care who does it. Yeah, and a machine and they could do it. Say no, the fuck. They, and they wouldn't say no. Yeah, so. Um, and then people like try to double down the ugliness, right? It's like, you know, anyway. Um, what is, what is that? Never mind. I'll get into that. Um, I'm going to Google that. The, um, <gasps> the first, the first, the first ABO I read was actually really good. Um, and I, so I, did, I didn't know anything about the trope at all. I just read this story that I thought was, like, really good. So it, it put this positive impression of the trope in my mind, 
And so I went out and reading more of it. And I was like, what is all of this? And it was like, it was like most of it was all of this stuff that was, had all these baked in consent problems. And I was like, okay, I've got hives now. I have rarely been so offended in my life over a Google search. I'm going to close that. Okay. Yeah, Jack, let's let's not talk about that because that no. Let's let let's close that topic completely on the chat. Um <clears throat> This is so fucking offensive. It is, but the the whole the it, this is just to, when it comes to things like ABO or something you have in the chat, people will continue to try to find new ways of exploring um, tropes that deprive people of their agency and of their consent right to consent in new and creative ways while they claim they're quote turning the trope on its ear or that they're removing the consent issues when they're not they're actually making them worse or whatever and it's just it's just going to keep happening and there's just new iterations of it and it's all very deeply offensive so it's just yeah. I think any kind of porn that fetishizes um, consent issues or creates a situation where a man is treated like a woman in a derogatory fashion is beyond the pale. I mean, not only are they making this person do this, but they're implying that being a woman is somehow less inferior. Yeah. Something to be, uh, it's just, it's offensive across the board. And one of the, one of the main problems I have with the ABO trope is the consent. Um, In fact, I have a lot of issues with consent. (laughs) There's a little backstory with me and Jilly and I didn't know that it put her off the way it did at the time. But during her first outing, uh, do you mind talking about this on Rough Trade? The, no, the, the whole Rough Trade thing? Okay, during her first outing in Rough Trade, there were a couple of comments on Emergence, and she had something about the ABO thing had come up in the comment, and I kind of freaked out because I, I didn't want to read it if I didn't, you know, because I have issues with consent. So I had Lady Holder send her a message telling her she needs to put warnings on it if she was going to be writing you know in <laughs> well I was, I, 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 yes, I was gonna, that's not quite how yeah it was it was you need to I said I'm not going to have any consent issues I need to warn for any consent issues and I said well I have my warnings up and there's not any consent issues in the story and then it's like I needed to warn <laughs> I don't know it was like you need to put something in the warnings that there won't be a consent issue I was like really <laughs> And I, you know, I was like, okay, this is my first time out with this, and I don't want to get, like get into it. But I was really put off that I needed to not warn. <laughs> like, what? I read the list of warning things I needed to warn for, and I, I complied. <laughs> so, 
Yeah. But it was a mixture of she was getting so many comments, and I did, I was afraid to read it because um, I do have a lot of consent issues. And during that time period, I'd been I'd already suffered a pretty bad trigger, um, and not on the trade, but somewhere else. And um, I triggered so bad that it put me back in um, therapy. Uh, so I really did not want to go there again. And so I had Lady Holder do it. But in retrospect, it was like I sent somebody, like I sent a hit <laughs> minion out <laughs> to lecture this new author on rough trade. And that was not my intent, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think we talked about this what like a year ago. So like it, it didn't ever, it didn't come up like natural. It didn't come up like, you know, it was years before this came up in any kind of conversation. But yeah, yeah I was a little bit yeah. like, wait, what? <laughs> what do you mean I have to not warn? Because it was, it was like, it was like anti warnings. <laughs> but like, what I would I say is, is if I ever have a mod approach you on a topic like this. It's because it's a topic that I am deeply uncomfortable with, and I don't want to talk about my reasons behind it, and I don't want to have to explain um, what's going on with me because it's very personal stuff. So I, if I ask Jilly or Lady Holder or As to talk to you about something, it's because I'm protecting myself and my own mental health. And um, Lady Holder's kind of my vanguard when it comes to consent issues and stuff like that. So so if she tells me I shouldn't read something, I take it as gospel. If she tells me that, you know, that this is not for you, I believe her 100% because she's got my back. And so oftentimes if there is a consent issue going on with something on um, Rough Trade, she will be my go-to to have that conversation with the writer about, hey, are you warning for this? Did you, you know, are you doing your due diligence to fandom? Because there are some people who don't warn because they think it ruins their story or it ruins the surprise. But I'm sorry if you think that um, rape it should be a surprise. You're an asshole. Well, and if That's the only thing you've got, if the only thing you've got going for your story is a surprise rape, you don't have anything going on. Quite frankly, and also character um, character death surprise is 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 not good either. No, yeah, but people use that excuse for major trigger warnings all the time. Oh, it'll ruin the the it'll ruin the plot if I if I reveal this to you, if I reveal that there's a rape or a major character death or whatever. Um, and the thing is, most people, yeah, I, I, when it comes to character death, I could see that that could be specifically a major plot reveal, um, but. Most authors who care have a sensible way of handling that, which is like, you know, you can go to the end notes of the story to find out who died if this is important to you and they provide a link. You know, like go to the end notes and go look and see who the the death is. Or alternately, you can write me. I've I've seen that on a couple of stories on fanfiction.net where the person says, you know, you can write me and I will let you – if you don't want to even get started on the story until you find out who dies – you can write me, and I will let you know who it is. Um, and I did that with one author. I was like, I don't know. I, I'm not sure I want to go into a major character death story if I don't know who the dead person's going to be. So I did write them and ask them if they could let me know. And I decided ultimately not to read the story based on that answer. But anyway, um, I could see that that, you know, if, if, if 
that person dying is really critical to the plot, that it is a huge spoiler. But major character death really upsets people, too. So there's no reason not to give people a way out. You know, a way to protect them, a way to protect themselves. And if you if you can't do that, then, you know. The funny thing is the people who scream about readership as currency are often uh, there's there's a huge crossover. There's a there's a Venn diagram with a significant middle portion where it's the same people who think they shouldn't have to warn for anything. And I'm like, it's interesting that you have this readership as currency and yet you're so willing to alienate them. <laughs> Whatever. Okay. So should we actually talk about dialogue? Well, yeah. <laughs> or should we or should we or should we stay stay here and stay in this lane and talk about dialogue another night? It, it's fine. I mean, I think that, you know, it's it's it is what it is. Um but uh one of the things I think fandom does do is that fandom creates this um this situation where bag mechanics are bred and passed around and dialogue suffers the most. Oh yeah, I agree. I, I, I didn't know that's where you were going. I was like, we're about to hear about some kind of weird fandom behavior and then you said and dialogue suffers the most and I went Oh, and it is a weird fandom behavior, like that whole one-sided conversation thing in NCIS that incepted me. And it—I'm not sure if that was a head hop or what the fuck happened in that story. But every time I think about it, I cringe. I actually have a one-sided conversation on a fucking telephone in POV character, and I'm like, "What the fuck is wrong with me?" And what I see, I see it when I look at it from like a really distance that I head hop. <clears throat> that I meant to change. Well, I didn't head hop. I meant to change my, perspective, my my POV as that phone call started, and I didn't actually do it. So it's it's ugly. It's ugly. But a lot of times people do it on purpose. They have a one-sided conversation thing in the POV character. And I think that plays into dialogue. I think it plays into um, the mechanics of, of dialogue and conversation. Um, when you're not hearing uh, – I think it's laziness. I think that's how it got started is just pure laziness. It's like they would just write one half of the conversation and not have to worry about what the other person was saying because if you've ever planned a conversation and you sat down to write it and it doesn't go the way you expected, that's because sometimes if you're if you're trying to be realistic about the flow of things, Sometimes when a character says something that's in character, you're like, okay, I didn't account for that. I didn't account for the effect that this would have on what character A said would have on character B. And the ripples, because there's little ripples in conversations. You know, there's natural branching and ebbs and flow that actually, if you wrote it completely realistically, would make it almost unreadable. You, you just can't write dialogue that's absolutely completely realistic because there'd be a lot more pause words like uh and um and oh, and there'd be a ton more interjections than you actually have, a lot more sentence fragments. Um, so basically, good dialogue is people who are relatively well-spoken and articulate <laughs> compared to the way most conversation flows. Uh, 
But I would, yeah, you, yeah, you have a point, Jasper. I'll give you that. People who use the other characters' names incessantly in sentences. Think back to the last conversation you had with a person. How often did you say their name? Only when I was trying to get their attention. Right? I probably say my husband's name more to other people than I do him. The last time my husband called me my actual name, I looked at him like, what the fuck's wrong with you? I've been bae for two decades. Funny aside, I have a Siberian husky. He's young. He's two years. He's two years in December. Um, He's a chatter. He's very talky. Um, I am like 100% certain he called me babe the other day. He thinks that's my name. Babe? Babe. Because my husband, that's all my husband calls me. Babe. I am like 100% certain he called me babe because he wanted my attention. And I was like, what? what is... <laughs> I don't even know what to say to you, dog. <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> well, but I could see how him him thinking that, that I could see their name association, definitely. And yeah. if somebody in public well, called someone else babe, he would probably look right at you. <laughs> the average dog um, has a vocabulary of like a three-year-old, four-year-old. As far as their ability to understand words. He's a smart dog. He's very smart. He's um, very chatty, though. He's he's very chatty. He actually, um, I'm pretty sure he says Jack's name, too. Um, and um, he can almost say water. He can definitely say walk. Um, and he says no. He's very good at saying no. If there's anything more annoying than asking your dog, do you want to go out? No. <laughs> I don't I'm know what it could possibly be. <laughs> that really wasn't a question, dude. <laughs> We're going out. I can say it's important. <laughs> so the condition of my carpet. He'll also shake his head, like no, nah, like no, nah, nah, dog, no, nah. <laughs> I'm not, no, nah. <laughs> not doing it. Anyways, shit, I forgot to harvest my eggs. Um, <clears throat> conversation. I think that you one know, of the I... most awkward things in fandom is the actual dialogue people use. 
It's like, I'm thinking, do you even hang out with other humans? Are you living in a basement somewhere? Is this a call for help? Well, it comes do you, to people, we've talked about people not hearing the dialogue. They're putting, putting down words. And honestly, if you read some romance novels back in the 80s, you would find them ridiculous said out loud. It, it, it seems to gel in your head. The thing is, when you start seeing all that dialogue on paper and you never hear it, it starts to seem like that's reasonable. But people don't actually speak like that. You read one of those bodice or books in the 80s out loud, you'd be horrified by how the dialogue sounded. <laughs> language is... Um, language grows, and your characters should... Uh, we don't speak very formally to each other. We we use contractions, we use slang, we use fragments, you know, you know sentence fragments. We don't speak in full articular paragraphs um, unless we're, you know, monologuing like a villain, um, <laughs> which sometimes happens. Tarjig makes me think of something swollen and rotted. Just saying. I feel like I need to check you guys' dictionary. It's a disgusting word. It's more it disgusting than moist. It doesn't sound good. It feels weird in the mouth, as it were. But it's, <laughs> I still need to check you guys' dictionaries. Um Turgid, swollen, distended, or congested. Tediously pompous or bombastic. It certainly doesn't mean dirty water. (laughs) Getting you a new dictionary. (laughs) But isn't that fetid? Isn't that how? Isn't that dirty water, or is that dirty something? What? Fetid. Um, yeah, yeah. Fetid would mean like rotting. Smelling extremely unpleasant. The fetid water of the marsh. Yeah, that's what I think of dirty water. I think of fetid. <clears throat> oh God, as you as go to the corner. You haven't been there in a while. You must miss it. <laughs> I can't trace that. Okay. So, um, and we've talked about how you can kind of, some people are just do well with dialogue. Like as Kira said, they just have an affinity for it. They are able to make it, figure out how to get kind of a natural rhythm by varying sentence length, by coupling, because there's ways you kind of juggle. Punctuation is kind of how you craft language because it, it's not just about the words, but punctuation, whether you put an, an ellipsis or a, an M dash, or if you leave a trailing sentence, or uh, if you, if you have like 
stuttered speech or something. Punctuation is how you convey all of that, right? If you don't, so, so there's, there's, there is a punctuation component to crafting good dialogue, which I know some people are going to hate hearing, but it, it is, it is a factor in order to convey what you want to get the tone right, to get the breaks in the right places, to get the pauses and, and, and where to break the speech to give your action beats. And all of that is part of crafting good dialogue because if you don't, pause and put some beats in or you don't put in the right kind of dialogue tags or whatever your dialogue could just be a long ramble and honestly think about the last time you had a conversation with somebody when was the last time you were allowed to go on for what amounted to four or five or six hundred words without anybody interrupting you if that happened the other party was probably very bored and totally had tuned you out (laughs) Because it just doesn't happen that often. And conversations have unexpected turns. Things get ridiculous. People find things. They say things that are unfortunate. Um, they find something inappropriately funny. Um, whatever. Well, ellipsis, to me, the ellipsis and the M dash and the comma, those three things, ellipsis, M dash, and comma, outside of your basic um, exclamation point and question mark, but those three things are your, your biggest tools for being able to craft the flow of speech. So Grammarly is going to harp at you about unnecessary use of ellipses if you have a lot of trailing sentences. But that's the way people speak. They don't always speak in complete thought. Sometimes they just pause. But ellipses can also be used to indicate literally a pause. Like somebody went, I think I'm going to get Johnny – an Iron Man doll for his birthday. You would put an ellipsis in there to put the pause in speech as opposed to writing. He paused for two or three seconds, which can get clunky. But if you already have a whole bunch of ellipses, you could do something like, I think I'm going to get, or I think I'm going to get Johnny, comma, tell me if I'm wrong. Um, end quote, Sarah began. That'd be a period or a comma after began. Because it's in the middle. So, so comma. If, if, if you pick up the same sentence, it's a comma. Yeah. Open quote, an Iron Man doll for his birthday, period, end quote. Yeah. You convey the pause without actually putting in the ellipses. And you get your dialogue tag in. And you flag the speaker. Because so that you accomplish a lot of things there. You've created a natural pause for the reader, which implies a pause in the speech. And you've identified who's speaking. To me, one of the biggest problems sometimes with, with, with when I'm reading or when I'm editing dialogue for people is I won't know who's speaking until the end of a very long paragraph. If you've got a long paragraph, you need to flag who's speaking in the first sentence. By the end of the first sentence, you need, and if that first sentence is 100 words, A, what the fuck? And B, you need to flag it in the middle of the sentence then. Because getting, having to read like a paragraph that takes up half of the page of my Kindle, and I have no idea who is speaking until then, I, it just can create a ton of confusion. Now, granted, if you're doing alternating dialogue, it's not as big a deal, but. 
even in, in an alternating dialogue situation, you can have a, you know, that can be a problem sometimes, depending upon the nature of, of what's going on. Also, because we rely on people knowing how to punctuate correctly to flag who's speaking in some cases, but people don't know. They will put no quotes at all <laughs> around continuing dialogue when it moves into a new paragraph, or they'll close the quote when it's the same speaker and they're you're not supposed to. So punctuation is a big part of crafting good dialogue. And a lot of fandom, fandom is like the punctuation doesn't matter. But when it, to me, when it comes to good dialogue, you, you'd better have your punctuation in there to some degree. You've got to have your dialogue mechanics right. Otherwise, all of your hard work getting the right words can be erased because people can't tell who's talking and your inflection is lost because of punctuation in the wrong place or lack of punctuation or whatever. I actually think punctuation is more important in dialogue than it is in your narrative. Okay, there was a thing up here earlier. Um, when you have a character pause, you don't want to actually tell the reader why they're doing it. Because um, that's telling, not showing. The pause itself, like you said, he paused to extend the, the, the suspense. Well, the pause itself says everything you need to say to the reader. Like, for instance, well, comma, end quote, Harry paused, comma, begin quote. I decided not to return to Hogwarts, period, end quote. You don't need to define the pause for the reader because it creates a situation where you're telling versus showing, and you should always tell before you show. I mean, that should always be your go-to. Even pause expectantly is... No, I mean, it's it's unnecessary. No. It creates a uh, – it's also a point-of-view problem because if it – let's say it's the point-of-view character, right, who is speaking. It, it's odd for them to say they paused expectantly. If it's the non-point-of-view character who pauses, it's mind-reading to say they pause and ex- pause expectantly. How do you know that they're expectant? They could be constipated. You don't know. That's a, that's one of the biggest <laughs> problems with people mastering point of view. <laughs> they might be trying really hard to fart for all that character knows, right? So paused expectantly is a problem for the non-point of view character because you don't know why they're pausing. They can cock a brow. They can have an expression that makes it look like they're waiting for something. They could trail off like a trailing sentence kind of thing. A trailing set actually an the biggest, best way to convey an expectant pause is a trailing question, which is dot, 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 question mark. Um, like, are you fucking serious, dot, 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 question mark? Yeah. Or you want to go where now? Because they're your dot, words. Dot, 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 question mark. Your words give, you, uh, give the reader what they need without you having to clunk up your narrative with um, redundant speech. Um Someone says they hate the word said in the chat room. Here's a, here, I, here's a pro tip for you. A professional editor 
will prefer the word said nine times out of ten every single time. Mm-hmm. Said fandom has for the reader, unless it's a fucking it audio book, and then that's a different. Wow. Unless the only time said doesn't really disappear to me is when it's every line of dialogue. He said, he said, he said, he said, he said. But variety of getting different dialogue tags, changing your dialogue tags is not going to solve that because that's a construction issue. That is not – because what happens is regardless of, regardless of whether it's sentence length, human, the human brain picks up rhythm very quickly. And especially re- repetitive rhythm. So if you have five – five word sentences over and over and over again. And there's been, there was a whole write up on this. Like if you do five word sentences over and over and over, it starts to feel at five words, both choppy and kind of a monotone. But when you vary sentence length, it has a good flow. Well, the same thing can happen when you are doing, um, I'm going to the store. She said, how long will you be gone? He asked, I'm going to be gone for four hours. She said, I'll see you get home. He said, you start picking up on that rhythm, and it's not the word said that is the issue. It is the cadence of the dialogue and the way that's all written. Because and it's boring. <laughs> it's boring. It's boring as fuck. And changing out different words. Um, um, where are you going? He queried. I'm going to the store. She replied tartly. That doesn't solve the problem. It actually makes it worse because you're solving a structural problem by throwing synonyms. <laughs> into the situation, which does nothing except make the person think, oh, they have a vocabulary. whoop de fucking do Actually, they don't have a vocabulary. But their rhythm is still there, and it's still a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my chat's not scrolling again. Um, Mine doesn't do that all the time. It's like, if, if if the window isn't active, it doesn't scroll. Okay. So, yeah. So, the question, here's the thing. Anyway. but the one thing I met about the expectant pause is this is because it's a POV issue. Okay, so let's say Kara and I were sitting in a room, we're talking to each other, and she suddenly trails off. If it's my point of view and I'm conveying what's Kira, I could say she paused expectantly, but it'd be mind reading. But what I could say is, you know, Kira raised one eyebrow and gave me a look like she was expecting me to say something. Um, and I had no idea what she wanted. <laughs> that conveys a lot from your point of view character, right? Like they're mystified. They're thinking that this person wants something. They don't know what they want. But an ex- saying that she's giving an expectant pause is, like I said, it's mind reading. And um, it, it's not conveying what about that, how me as the point of view character, am interpreting what's going on from her, what, what and I'm getting back. So, um And as the point of view character, it, it's weird to say I paused expectantly. I just find that to be an odd turn of phrase. So if I was the point of view character, I would say, well, in quote, like, I, like well, comma, in quote, I hesitated, period. I really didn't know what to say, period. Nothing seemed like it would 
be appropriate, period, open quote. I'm really sorry for your loss, period, end quote. Do you see what that did? Mm-hmm. I mean, it was rough. So, so I put off for the roughness. But it, when you're writing in first person, it's very easy to dig into that POV. So when you're in third person and you're in their point of view, you can discuss their hesitation um, and kind of break your dialogue up, and it creates an intimacy with your reader. And yeah. If you want a short, choppy conversation, um, use a mixture of dialogue, action tag, or action beats, and dialogue tags. So you would not want to use a dialogue tag for every single piece of dialogue. Um, you would break it up with action, like no, period. Harry threw his pen on the table and walked away. Next piece of dialogue. Yeah. And and you have to be careful. This is where the, the dialogue mechanics are so important that you not get the actions with the wrong piece of dialogue because you can convey a lot with your action beat. Like um, if your dialogue starts with, where the hell have you been? And, okay, so like let's say Rodney yelled, and then the next paragraph John ducked the pillow that was thrown his way. I was at the store. You don't need to say John said because if you get that action beat, John ducked the pillow that was thrown at his head in the right place, it telegraphs that this is John's dialogue. Which is why I see people tack the action beat for the next character onto the dialogue of the, of the person who spoke. So like they would say, Rodney yelled, comma and John ducked the pillow he threw at his head that doesn't that works it's it's nothing structurally wrong with that but it doesn't serve you to put John's actions with Rodney's dialogue because it, that action beat right there is a perfect substitute for a dialogue tag and then you don't have to say he said so I just gave an example in the um in the chat. No, Harry tossed his pen and stood. Where are you going, Ron demanded as Harry left the table. We need to talk about this. Fuck off, Harry said crossly. Very That's a really quick. good act. The action beat conveys a lot. So, yeah, I, I mean, like it, 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 see, Harry's, see, yeah. Sort of the fuck off, but really, it, it it Harry in this little scene, Harry has lost his temper with Ron. He is finished with this conversation. He is disengaged physically. He stood up, tossed aside his ink pen, walked away. Ron is demanding this of him, and he's and then he ends it with fuck off because he because he's done, right? You don't know what happened before or after, but you know just from the context of this that Harry is is angry, and that no, Ron no, is frustrated. No. Now, let me dilute that for you. Go ahead. She's typing. There we go. No, Harry said angrily, throwing his pen away. 
which is very which is diluted to me. It's not as effective as just because if you've got if you've got action, right? If you've got a character doing something, you don't need a dialogue tag. Use the action beat to identify which character is speaking. But you have to be diligent about keeping your action beats with the right character. And that's one of the, I think, one of the biggest weaknesses with amateur writers is their action beats are in the wrong place. Now, sometimes you'll have a combined dialogue tag, and like you'll have, like, in Kira's second sentence, this is perfectly, um, this is fine, which is Harry, you know, Ron demanded as Harry left the table. That's that technically that's Harry's action, and I'm not talking about splitting that off. But it would be um, fuck off. So let's say she had said fuck off. Harry said crossly. Let's say the next sentence was, and Ron went after him. Okay, by putting and Ron went after him after Harry's dialogue, you've eliminated that as being an effective action tag for Ron. Because if you started the next sentence with Ron went after him. Don't walk away from me, Harry. You don't need a dialogue tag because you've got an action beat built in. Um... I like the word crossly because it's 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 not fury, it's it's not um it's frustration. It's um but also when you look at Jilly's sentence that she dealt you know, that when she compacted the whole thing down, what she does with this said angrily throwing his pen, she's told you how Harry feels instead of showing you how he feels. So she told first, he's angry, then he threw his pen. That's a demonstration of his anger. It's fine, but it's not as impactful as letting the reader suss out for themselves that that, that, that he's pissed off before you even get to the fuck off. Something vexes me. <laughs> Something vexes me. Which is easily the best fucking line in that whole – well, never mind – it's not the best no. one. <laughs> what was it? You ten thirty, you ten ten forty five and bring a friend. me he cleared it that yeah that yeah that's pretty up there too but um but yeah i mean i think i would be more likely to use the word crossly for for harry because he's british <laughs> yeah especially as from his point of view yeah yeah um but yeah i mean it's it's important when you're moving your your characters through a scene that you take account their the the rhythm of their speech the way they move, the way 
they convey their words. Are they a hand talker? I'm a hand talker. I have been moving my hands around since this podcast started, like you guys can see me. Um, you should see me when I talk about plotting. I'll have my hands up above my head, and I'll be like, and you got to stack it like this. And I- <laughs> yeah. Like, it would be ridiculous if you guys could see me because I'm crazy. Um, all those quotes are from the Robin Hood movie that had um, Kevin Costner in it, by the way. Mm. I use um, for my action beats often involve what characters are doing with their hands, um, whether they're pointing or whether they're drumming their fingers, because what somebody's doing when they're talking can convey a lot. So to me, drumming the fingers can be a sign of boredom or it can be a sign of somebody's contemplating. I tend to use it more as a contemplation signal, um, scratching their chin, which is kind of like I'm thinking, rubbing the back of their neck is usually I'm uncomfortable. Um, then there's the sort of virtual face palm is like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm dealing with this. So um, running their hands through their hair could be frustration or exhaustion or both. Uh, so there's, I use I use those kinds of like what they're doing with their hands, how they're gesturing, as my action beats, to, and I use them to convey who's speaking because you saying he said all the time can be, as we mentioned, a rhythmic issue regardless of whether you use the word said or not. And what I see in a lot of people is that they've got the beat there and they still use the dialogue tag too, which it's it's just unnecessary. Um, now this, I will say, I, I, I want to just address something real quick is we are, and because it's a current project, you know, go for it. But the purpose of like some of the stuff we talk about is not to get people to go back and edit their past works. That's, you know, now, I've made all I, the mistakes I talk about today. I've made them in the past. Oh yeah. Me too. The other day I was reading, um, a short I had on my site. And I was reading it on my site, which is why I did what I did, what I'm about to tell you. And remember I had that whole thing about how do not use fucking parentheses in your narrative work because it's bad? Well, I found one where I did it. And I was like, what? Oh, my fucking God. So I went and edited it. I opened up the, the damn document on the, the page on my site and edited the parentheses out. I don't even know why it was there. So, yeah, I mean, I've done all the things that I now found re- I find really offensive. And I'm like, well, why the fuck is that in there? And I'll tell you why it's in there. Fandom. Fandom did that to me. I never did that shit before fandom. I checked. I went back and looked through all my old work because I was like, is that a habit I used to have and I don't have anymore? So I went and looked at all my original work that I have on, you know, on my computer. Couldn't find a single damn parenthesis. And I only found it in two fandom works. It's fandom. Just saying. Yeah, and there is um, um, things evolve. I've got some books written by I've got I want to say it's a Stephen King story, you know, way back when uh, that has parentheses in it. Quite a lot of them, and. But publishing standards change over time, which is why there's new editions of the Chicago Manual of Style, why there's new editions of the, the uh, AP Style books that come out, is because they change, they evolve. And yeah, because your language is a living thing. 
Right. And they basically, and there are things that were acceptable in creative writing that way back when that aren't really acceptable anymore. And there are things that used to be acceptable in non-creative writing, um, in, in technical manuals and stuff that aren't okay today. So, you know, standards change and part of, you know, growing your craft is staying current. Now I, I had a little funny little thing about something about something, just a minor punctuation issue. And Basically, the issue was this person had learned AP. They're the style guide that they – and I recognize some of the things that they were doing as AP style. And there are some distinct differences between what the press does. That's what AT is, is associated press. There are different things between the way you write for the news versus the way you write fiction. So if you're following a style guide as a creative writer for something, a style guide that is not intended for creative writing, you don't have to file, follow CMOS if you don't want to. But it is a standard for most publishers. But you should be following a style guide that is intended for creative writing. I have and been, none of them are going to um, tell you to use parentheses. Hold on. Let me, let me get you a date. Let me... Well, she's getting her date. Unless, unless parentheses are fine, if it's an email, a journal entry, where you are literally conveying what a character actually physically wrote. But outside of that, like corner case, you shouldn't have parentheses in your in your work. It just doesn't belong there. I have been in the industry, the publishing industry, um, as um, a variety of roles for going on eighteen years. Now, I did mean a variety of roles. I worked as a, a web designer. Um, I worked as a um, a content editor. I worked as an acquisitions editor. Um, I've worked for magazines. I've worked for independent publishing companies. Um, I've wrote for both. Um, and I have never, ever, ever encountered a professional publishing house that did not use the Chicago style manual. Ever. In fact, the last time I picked up the AP um, the AP style guide was in college. Because and I was even, writing for the college paper. <laughs> and they used AP. And, and even some major technical style guides are either based on AP or Chicago manual style. Meaning what they're doing is they're not replacing, they're not giving you a complete style guide. They're giving you what the exceptions are for technical writing in whatever industry that is. Like Apple has a style guide. They're not replacing all of CMOS or AP or whatever their backbone style guide is. Because these style guides, these technical style guides tend to be short. And they're talking about specific cases that either replace, that are exceptions to what you find in the others, or corner cases, things for technical manuals that Chicago and AP don't cover. Um, and when you file with a anyway. publisher, the first thing you should ask for if you don't get one is their house style guides. Um, if they had one prepared for authors, ask for a copy. Now, right. some publishing houses only give their editors the house style guide, and that's fine. But if you can get a copy of it, do. It's only to your benefit. Yeah, because the less you divert, you, the less you deviate from um, the style guide for your your publishing house, the better. 
and your editor will thank you for not being, you know, completely wackadoodle. <laughs> you could be a little wackadoodle. They expect that because you're a writer. But you shouldn't be completely wackadoodle. <laughs> it's like, what is this? Why did they learn to do that? Well, this is the way I've always done it. Well, I don't care. No, 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 honey. <laughs> I've I've heard that more than once. Well, this is the way I've always done it, and I very I find very nice ways of saying so. <laughs> well, then you've always done it wrong because I don't say nice ways to say it. Well, I also tell I have you to. from my from my time as an acquisitions editor is that I didn't always know a yes immediately. But a no, I knew within the first three pages. Do you get what I mean? Oh yeah, I can. T- I totally because sometimes I will like I'm not sure I want to read this fic for like fifty thousand words. I'm still not sure I want to read this fic, but I can nope out on the first screen. So yeah, I totally understand what you're saying. I mean, sometimes I can get all the way to the end of a book and still say no. But 95% of the time, if I made it past your, um, past your first chapter, you were pretty good to either get a letter saying, okay, I like this, but I need you to make this, 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 and this, these changes. I need this to be 10K shorter than it currently is. And just, you know, a whole list of things that I would like to see differently. Or... Um, if I post your story or put down your book on page three, you got a form letter telling you um, that you just weren't a good fit for us. <laughs> I can't imagine the hell that is being an acquisitions editor. Uh, it was disheartening. Um, I still do it on uh, on spec sometimes for a couple of friends, uh, but for me the the oh my god, do you like go to the awesome part? flush pile for them? Yeah. The oh my god. Part is being a part of something where that new writer gets told yes. Oh, that's nice. Because you're part of making somebody's dream come true, and that is awesome. What I would. Also say, yeah, bad formatting is an automatic no. Uh, if you can't format your novel, how the hell can you be trusted to do modern edits in a publishing house? It speaks, and also if you don't format your stuff correctly to meet the standard that they ask for when you're submitting, um, that means you can't follow instructions. So why the hell would they put all that money into publishing you? Taking that risk on you if you can't even follow basic instructions. If you if the publisher asks for a a dot a dot docx and you send them an RTF, you can't follow instructions. If you send their their book to them in the body of your email, and it's all one big paragraph, you can't follow instructions. Rejection, 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 automatic rejection. They won't even read your shit. <clears throat> and yeah, the on occasion I see that my agent's slush pile. What really? 
Sometimes, yeah. Wow. I'm, I'm not I'm, sure I'm, if that's I'm a fast like reader. You're a fast reader. I, I I get that you really. I really do know. I know that I know this about you. That you really want to help grow writers and nurture them. Um, but at the same time, cleaning out somebody's slush pile to me would feel like kind of like an exercise in masochism. Um, I don't know. <laughs> well, I'm not that kind of I, I masochism. Just, I just kind of shuddered. But I what like, I would oh. say is that, like I said, if if it's the first three pages, I'm like, nope. I just put a little no by. I'm like, dude, no, this is so boring. Um, read at your own risk. <laughs> so pre-screening pre-screening yeah i'm pre-screening your slush pile for you um oh my god yeah, no don't, is- don't even open this pile don't open it don't ever open it set it on fire <laughs> and as with um other things we said if you're mentally thinking to yourself right now I don't have to worry about this stuff. I'm just writing. I'm just writing fan fiction. We are not talking to you, and honestly, I'm not interested in talking to you because yes, there are some things I do in fan fiction that I wouldn't do in original fiction. But it's more of a case of oh, this is fan fiction. I get to do this indulgence that I can't really do in a published work, and it's more of a a get to, not a I don't have to bother with. I get to put in that vanity scene. I get to appeal to my id. Um, Bob Dane is fucking my fan fiction. I do lots of things in my fan fiction that I would never do in a, profession, a professional work. And it's That's the whole point. It's my hobby. What in that thing? Up, these little smart asses. I'm... Oh, I see. Okay, no. In in fanfic, I um I format for a line between paragraphs because that's just easier to read on the screen. Um, but when you're indenting in a professional work, you'll want to go into your paragraph settings, indent the first line to point three or point five. Most companies prefer point five. You'll want to double your um, you'll want to double space your whole manuscript. That's what they prefer for the most part. That's easier to read. Not, yeah, not it, you. You got to read their formatting guidelines because every publisher is going to tell you how they want the manuscripts formatted. Um, there is an advantage in that from an editing perspective to having everything double spaced because it gives the editor more room to make comments without running off the bottom of the page which I have run into on stories where I've run right off the bottom of the page but um, publisher I work with I actually don't like the visually I don't like double space personally so I'm not sad that the publisher I work with does not do double space their manuscripts but yes first line indent um, is still the publishing standard I'm going to take a screenshot but of my um, – you'll see what I mean. The standard – typical in fan fiction, however, is what is called space after, which is just either you do two two carriage returns, which in WordPress and on AO3 can give you 
extra space, so it's not optimal. Um, or you set your paragraph settings to be some number of points after, not before, but after. So every paragraph gets. And typically you could do auto, but a, you want your space after to be approximately what your font size is. So if you're writing in a 12-point font, you want about 12 points of space after. I'm going to show you guys a picture of that too. One carriage return. So for most things like WordPress, because the thing is a lot of these editors, these modern HTML displays, that stuff, they strip out the indents anyway. So there's no point in putting them in. So you would not do an in, a first line indent and you would do the space after and then you just hit, you hit your carriage return one time and you get space around your thing. And that's what you want. And you don't get a, a and then you don't get a double um, line when you're posting on AO3 or whatever. Right. right. That those big yeah when you see those big chunks of space in between, it's because the person uses a double carriage return to put space between your paragraphs. And modern word processors, in t modern um, web web tools like AO3 and WordPress, they interpret a carriage return. The a carriage button. return is when you hit enter twice. It's a it's a it's a throwback term well, or for one. typewriters when you used to do um well yeah, if you're not doing a automatic paragraphing. Um it's still called a carriage return though, because if you if you if you, if you it, it's an enter button, but what it gives you is a carriage return. But anyway. Um, when you hit it once, press it once or twice, you know, however many times you press enter, okay, I'll try it that way. However many times you press enter on your keyboard, WordPress and AO3 are going to interpret as a paragraph mark. So every time you press enter, just enter, you're going to get a line of space, blank space. So if you press it twice, because that's the way you were taught to do back when you learned to keyboard, back in the dark ages like I did, if you press it twice, you are going to get big white space between your paragraphs, which we've all seen on AO3, and that's someone who is pressing enter twice. But it's not very readable in Word or whatever your word processor is. Google Docs allows you to take care of this too, to have only one carriage return, which is where the space after formatting is important and in Google Docs, I'll get the screenshot for Google Docs for you guys. I just put up a screenshot where you is. can see what it looks like when there's a double carriage return, where it creates essentially a separate paragraph. That's a paragraph mark indicating to that's a underneath symbol that you're not seeing in a normal view, but that's what the code for AO3 or WordPress will see, and they will treat it as a separate paragraph. So you'll have a huge chunk of white space between each of your paragraphs if you do a double return, which is why you should always format your paragraphs instead of doing that because it creates problems um, in WordPress and AO3, on HTML sites, um, anything you're using normally, it will create those problems. And also if you do a hard line break, which you can do by accident when you're keyboarding, can also create that big wide double space. Because Word doesn't know, I mean, not Word, uh, WordPress doesn't know what to do with it. So it will create a, a, a double return for you. 
All right, I got two, two. I got a picture for you guys. If you are using Google Docs, this is how you do the thing, where you, where you find your spacing. It's much more simplistic than what you're going to get from Word. There you go. That's the button. It looks like a vertical arrow with some lines by it. And the last option there, well, it's not actually the last option. There's some options after that, is add space after paragraph. And the add space after paragraph is what you need to only need one carriage return. Or enter button. For those fetuses in the audience, a carriage return comes from the old school um, for when we used to have typewriters and the dev- the mechanism that actually had the key, the the, num- the the letters on it was a carriage. And when you hit uh, return you hit the end of the line, the typewriter, it would return, it would drop down and return to the next. So your carriage would return to the beginning. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, Fetuses. I um, I had, um, I used one of those keyboards. I, I, I used those typewriters that had the bar right where you type 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 you get to the end of the line and you'd press the bar to push the carriage all the way back to the beginning oh my first typewriter was a brother and it did have the the return key um so i never had to do it by hand but i would love yeah i've used a manual i would love to have one i've used a manual carriage return it's it's a trip Um, I'm trying to find, see if I can. But the end, but the end result is, is you don't want to do a double return in your work when you're um, posting anywhere, really, because it will create uh, giant white spaces in your document. And when it comes to professional work, you don't want to have any space between your paragraphs um, because that's terrible. Um, and you'll want to format your character, your document to fit their needs, whether they want a double space or a um, a single space. That's if they want their single lines or double lines, you just need to follow their instructions. And I'll put it out there. If you're getting ready to submit professionally and you're looking at somebody's guidelines and you're confused or worried about the look of your, um, just email me. I'll be more than happy to help you figure that out. I'm not going to do the work for you, but I'll I'll check it to make sure you're getting it right. So I kept say you're writing in a size a font size of 14. You would want to do spacing after your um, paragraph at 14 points because uh, that's a visual. Issue. You don't want there to be more space in between your paragraphs than the, the height of your font. It'll look weird. Yeah. Ish. And you don't want significantly less because there's no point in having it. So, you, like, if you've got 12-point font and you've got six points of space after, it's not going it to net you look much. Right. You're, talking, you're just talking a little tiny bit of space. So at, 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 least, at least as much as your font size and probably not more than 25% more than your font size. Because otherwise I write at 14. 
I write at 14, and I, I do my spacing at 18. Now, Google will um, – not Google. Word, Word has a setting called auto, which will – with you, which will, based on your font size, will approximate how much space to put after. It works very well. I don't personally use it because the Word um, online tools, the Microsoft Office Online, which I have to use on occasion, doesn't recognize the auto setting, and so then everything just gets uh, squished. So I have to. I always set my space after manually. I set my space after manually because I'm a control freak. Okay, so there is a principle um, um, about why this is important, it, especially in when you're looking at things on a website, more so than books, because books books don't do space after. Um, um, is that when you learn technical writing, one of the things they talk about is like, especially for end user materials, is that you not use long paragraphs, and the, the re, what, there's several reasons why that long paragraphs don't work for people, and it's a, it's a fundamental principle in, in technical writing, and yet it's optional in creative writing, which I find to be odd. Because one of the things also is that there's a visual thing is that blank white space pulls the eye down. So if you've got relatively short par, short paragraphs, the eye just keeps moving to that next piece of white space, right? It just keeps going down. A wall of text, however, visually stalls. You have a, you have a stall in your visual field. And some paragraphs, like on an e-reader, like I've, I've sent stuff to my Kindle from AO3 where the paragraph is two screens on my Kindle. I, I start losing interest without even knowing what it says. And... Part of it is because we have become accustomed to – it could have been that, you know, back in the day when we read thousand, you know, thousand-page stories, you know, the classics, that long paragraphs wouldn't have thrown us. But we live in a different world now where information is presented on smaller pieces, and we're used to getting – seeing those visual cues that keep our eye going. So when we get giant walls of things, the brain almost stutters. So learning how is part of, especially with your dialogue, people, I see the longest paragraphs from people when they have a long bit of dialogue. It's like they think because it's one bit of dialogue that they don't have to break it up. But you do. You really do. Because even long dialogue, if it's just presented in one big chunk, can be very difficult to digest. For instance, for me, I try to keep my paragraphs, whether they're, it's a dialogue it, a dialogue thing or not, within 95 to 115 words. 200-word paragraphs would be pretty extreme for me. I'd have to have a really good reason to have a 200-word paragraph. Considering that uh, yeah, the average number of words on a page yeah. The average number of words on a page in Word with one inch margins in twelve point font, the average with, with space after 
is between 250 and 350. So think about that. The average number of words on a page is 250 to 350. And you've got a 200-word paragraph? No. Okay, I just <laughs> highlighted a single – wait, that's two pages. Hold on. Let me get a single page. So my font is, is – is it Garamond or Garmond? Garamond. Garamond, um, 14 point. I have 454 words on this page, and I've got seven paragraphs. Okay, I write in 12 point font, and I write in Calibri, which is a little bit of a compact font, and I have. 416 words on this page, which is actually a lot compared to most of mine. And I have 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 12 paragraphs. So what's your average? Because mine was 64. 64 words in a paragraph? That was my average. Because I had uh, 454 words and seven paragraphs. Thirty-four words. Well, lots of combo on that page, though, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I'm trying to find something that's got okay. So this 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 page has got a little bit more narrative. Uh, still got a lot of paragraphs, though. So 550 words. Um, 11, 11 paragraphs, 550 words. So that's easy, 55 words per paragraph. Now, I'll see people giving guidelines that say, okay, um, you should have um, – no more than 200 words in a paragraph. And I'm like, whoa, really? 200? That's a lot. <laughs> I would put that at my maximum, 200. I I would rarely ever go there, but that would be my drop-dead number. The longest – I'm scrolling down page after page after page, and I okay, I finally found a paragraph that looks fairly long, and it is 130 words. It's the longest one I can find. Okay. And now I'm thinking so. about, and now I'm thinking about making it shorter. <laughs> right? Cuz that's just super long, right? Uh, okay, so this document, this I actually have Revenant open on my um on my uh screen. So this document is 3800 words and I have 1153 38000 words. When I say 3800, so 38559 divided by 1,153 paragraphs. My average paragraph length for the entire document is 33 words. Lots of dialogue. Um, Word's very good at offering statistics on your stuff, by the way. Okay. I have – we're very similar in this – I have a Leo Moto open. And now Leo Moto is a little bit different than a lot of my writing. It's probably a bad one to actually take a statistic on because 
I use, especially with these characters set in the forties, my language is very formal compared to almost right. anything else I write. Um, so the paragraphs I think actually probably skew slightly long for me, but they're actually still only coming in at 32 words a paragraph. I had Revenant opening because I got some really awesome art for Revenant. Um, I've been I've been looking at it. I'm going I'm gonna turn it into a novel. Let me share my art with you guys. It'll be up on my site when I, when I do my next newsletter. Nice. Ooh. Wow. That's beautiful. Yeah, Nicole. Yeah. Whereas I have a Leomoto open because I'm trying to get it finished. It's awesome. one of my, with my one of my. We're looking forward to it. It's one of my editing projects. I got all the way through what is there edited, and um, I only have half of the chapter left to write, and that will be done. So, well, at least that first book. You know, it, it's it's. I have a th- I have a three book series planned on that one. So, but yeah, but I I, I sat down. I have I you know been off Harry Potter, but I sat down to work on that one the other day, and. Um, there were like elements of like I, I haven't touched it in a while, although it's actually only been a year and I'm working on it and I was like, Wow, my world building was really complicated. <laughs> I mean really complicated. I was like, Holy shit, I wouldn't have thought this was the story that had the most complicated world building, but since I've touched all of the other stories that have complicated world building recently, it's definitely by far I think because um, I looked at my notes, it's definitely gonna, it's definitely the most complicated from a world building perspective, or most elaborate world building that I've done. So, I was a little bit like, wow, oh, dude, Revenant. okay. Revenant is actually on the wild hair. It was a rough trade project for me a long time ago. Um, a long time ago, I had no idea when that was. It was, it was, it's been a while. So, if you want to read the bones of what will eventually be that novel, it's on the wild hair project. I shall get you a link. I told it in episode format on Rough Trade, I think five episodes. I'm going to turn it into a book. So it'll be bigger, and um, but but the bones are there. I, I, I think the bones are actually quite good. Um, it yeah, just, I agree. Uh, when, I, when I got finished with it, or when I finished that part of the challenge, I was like, you know what? This Sometimes you pick a format, right? Like we were going into that challenge, we need episodes. And I thought, well, I'll just do this idea I have for the Revenant, and I really love the idea. Um, but when I finished it, I was like, this would be so much better as a novel. And, and sometimes you don't know that until, uh, until you're knee deep in it. So, you know. But I really enjoyed writing it. I'm really looking forward to kind of digging into it and um, getting a little more. Uh, Kind of opening it up and exploring John, um, and his 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 situation. Yes, I, I had a, I had a hard time with Revenant because I had this beautiful, awesome idea, and people spent the whole challenge asking me for the source material when they were fucking looking at the source material. But I'm not bitter. 
much. But it is disheartening to have this really awesome idea for something and to have somebody, to have to be people constantly picking at you, acting like you aren't crediting something or someone that you should be crediting for an idea that's yours. Yeah, that's come up quite a bit. The whole credit thing has been has come up quite a bit lately. Um, we've talked about it before. Kira has never been allergic to, like many in fandom, has never been allergic to giving credit when credit's due. She gave inspiration credit on Ties That Bind. Um, Any time she's inspired by something, I've seen it in her work, and yet people would have Still went to the, went to assuming that she wouldn't give credit to wherever whatever her source material was. So that's just it's just weird. And maybe it's because they wanted more of it, and they just didn't want to believe there was nothing else out there. Yeah, I mean, I can see that people might be like, "Oh God, whatever show this is from, I've got to see it. How have I not heard about this before?" And it's kind of an enthusiasm thing. Um, but if that was the case, you would have disclosed the fandom. Right. It wouldn't have just been one fandom. So, yeah. And it, and it wasn't just that one person did it. It was that it happened repeatedly. In fact, it happened after Rough Trade 2, which is why the comments on that fic are closed. Because I just couldn't – I was I was precariously close to hating my own work. So I had to, I had to step back and, and close comments on it across the board. But I just could not deal with it anymore. It was so infuriating. Yeah, well, people also kept trying, as I recall, to equate it to something else. Oh, this is sort of like this. Like, you must have been inspired by this. And um, if I I had been inspired by that, I would have said so. I actually found those comments more irritating, personally, you know, as I'm sitting there deleting them. Um, (laughs) uh, Like, they're trying to find some, 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 you know, when they found, when when there was no source material, they were trying to find the inspiration source. Oh, this is like, you know, this from this show, or this from this thing, or this from this movie. And that's just, you know, irritating. Like, it, like, the, like there was like, it must be derivative, so just tell us where you got it from so we can read it. Yeah. I got it from a fucking which, song. Which is actually which a more, Yeah, which it was, was right there. It was right, yeah. it was right there. Yeah, it was right there on the project <laughs> file with the inspiration list. Um, because I, I actually found that to be personally more irritating. Oh, this is just like such and such, um, which you know, and those comparisons were so far off. But I found that more irritating than the people asked, you know, where they could find the fandom, the Revenant fandom. Give us time; there will be a Revenant fandom. <laughs> we're not there yet. <laughs> I don't mind being. Uh, like, okay, you know, this was really awesome. It reminded me of how the trills work in Star Trek. That's not accurate, but okay, that's fine. I don't care. Um, but to just dismiss her world building by going, oh, it's like the trill or whatever, it is dismissive it, is what it is. It is dismissive. But that wouldn't have been nearly as fucking frustrating if I hadn't had all those other comments. <laughs> On top of it. Yeah. Where did you get the idea for this from? I've never seen the Revenant movie. 
Um, so it's not a crossover of that. <laughs> I do tend to I do tend to monitor the comments on Julie's work a lot more um, than I do my own. And Lady Holder, when she participates, which she didn't this year, I'm just saying. I'm not bitter about that well, either. Well, yeah. The funny thing is, there was there was a comment on demons that kind of it struck me funny, um, but I didn't think much about it because it was the the complaining the complaining was was phrased as compliments. <laughs> Let's put it that way. But I just approved it and moved on, right? And I just mentioned to me about Akira, and she went and read it. She says, "You realize they're just complaining, right?" I was like, "Oh, that's what's going on there." Delete. <laughs> <laughs> if we were a room for which head would be which? Um, so room four has the dreamer, the planner, and the. We have to rename them. Curious to tell her off. Um. <laughs> I'm the teller off of her, or I'm the cursor out of her. No, Jilly's the planner. The planner, the dreamer, and what's the other head? Oh, the critic. Planner, the dreamer, and the critic. Hmm. So, Lady Holder really isn't a critic either. She's not a critical person. Unless it's in a you're an asshole kind of way. <laughs> True. She's perfectly willing to say that. Um, I actually think it would be, if we had to like slot us into those three roles, I think Kira would be the planner, Lady Holder would be the dreamer, and I'd be the critic. And the reason I say that really? is, yeah, because I'm, that's the function. I mean, I, I tend to be the person who edits, right? And editing is a lot about mm. critiquing something, yeah. even if you're doing it nicely. Yeah. Well, the room, when it comes to the room for the critic is usually the one that, <laughs> that doesn't make it. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> the state, nobody wants us to get state. the critic to shut up. <laughs> One of the major points in Harry Potter and the Soulmate Bond um, is, um, that I have c- coming up with the next um, season is the fate of the fate. Um, I don't know what I'm going to do with that snake. Uh, so. Because Harry will have to work carefully. Well, yeah. Very carefully. How else would you handle her? Well, the, the, the thing is, is that she she kills one person because it was part of her instructions, but she outright murdered another because of what she learned. 
so he now knows that she's capable of, of murder outside of his instructions. And so he, he's going to have to be very careful what he does with her. Mm-hmm. So. I think he always knew she was capable of murder, but um, now he has proof. And so he, you know, he, he has he has responsibility to not only her, but to the people around him, and most especially, yeah, to Fudge, not to Umbridge. Umbridge she did by herself. Um, and while Harry doesn't disagree with her actions, he does need to acknowledge that she is um, she's more than willing to commit murder if she's displeased, which means he has to protect her, those around him, and most specifically his kind as a parcel mouse. Because um, having a snake in his care that um, gets caught murdering somebody uh, would not be good for their campaign to further um, the 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 reputation of Parcel Mouths as um, a neutral force in 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 the magical world. And that's and that's world building right there. You have to be really careful when you're world building as far as your ramifications go and how your ripples. And I knew when I killed Umbridge that that was going to be a big ripple for um, him as a parcel mouse. But I hate Umbridge uh, more than I hate Voldemort. So I was like, okay, fine. She's going to die. I think everybody hated Umbridge more than they did Voldemort. Right? I it, think it was like Voldemort to go to jail. Well, it's cause, also because well, we've talked about this before. Voldemort's a fantastical character in a way, right? He's right. he's the super villain of the fantasy world. He's he's Sauron. He's you know he's that that thing we can't really conceive of. We can conceive of Umbridge. We can conceive of somebody small-minded, petty, and bigoted, and cruel. So Umbridge feels Umbridge too is real, reality. which is why we hate yeah. her. Oh, we had a two minutes. This, these two hours have just flown by. I hope you guys learned I something. I thought um, we only touched on some of the dialogue stuff, like right. the actual dialogue. Well, <laughs> we actually talked about at least for an hour. The first 45 yeah. minutes is okay to other stuff. So, but, you know, that's so actually pretty about- good for us. <laughs> yeah, I think we talked about, about what I mean by dialogue is I think we actually talked about more about like the mechanics of it as opposed to like, you know, how to find a natural rhythm to the actual words and the actual language you use and how how to choose it and what what how it reflects on your character and that kind of thing. So we didn't actually get into the, we can, we the can, actual words. We can have a we can have a part two. I think it's, I think it's necessary. We also need to talk about. Um, the uh the how your characters should sound different and um how um how you should and should not uh portray accents and fiction and also uh some other stuff. So we'll do that in the next podcast. We'll have another podcast on the dialogue because it's it's a really important thing for you guys to master. Just listen to people talk. Seriously. Listen to them talk. It's super important. Um, 60 seconds. Say goodnight, Jilly. Good night, everyone. We'll catch you guys later. <laughs>